Welcome to The Deep Place on creativity and spirituality. Friends, you are listening to Season 3 of The Deep Place Podcast. And in this season, we are going on a journey, the creative journey. My name is Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Auntie Dyke Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. You know how within artistic communities there are people who are like the anchor or the the magnet, the communal magnet that draws everyone together? Uh, who I am chatting to today, because it feels like a nice day for an interview today, uh, who I'm chatting to is the amazing Danny V. I interviewed her a few weeks ago uh, about a whole lot of different things. She's a podcaster herself with the Words and Nerds podcast, which just celebrated their five-year anniversary of running it, of of um, podcasting, and it's brilliant. It's so good. Um, she gets to interview amazing Australian talent on there, people uh, like Matthew Riley and Trent Dalton and Jackie French, Tara Moss, Andy Griffiths, so many of them. But uh, Danny is also a writer herself. We talk about her book, My Extraordinary Mum, and she's just about to bring out a book soon called uh, My Unlucky Dad, uh, I think is the title, Unlucky Dad. Um, she is one of those people who everybody in the literary world knows. Why? Because she just loves people so well and cares for them and is like this ray of sunshine uh, in the kids' fiction world. Um, so whether you are a kids' fiction writer or interested in that at, at all, what we really go into today is... Um, tapping into to anxiety and to how to live out the creative life whilst also um, working through mental health and and how to hold those two things together. Um, before we get into today and we listen to this wonderful interview, um, you may have heard last week, but I want to remind you, uh, the School for Creative Development has just launched. If you're looking for a community uh, to help you take the stuff we're talking about on this podcast to the next level, to really bring it down practically into your creative practice and your creative everyday life, then this is for you. You can go and check it out at schoolforcreativedevelopment.com. And the amazing thing about it is you choose how much you want to pay. There's a few suggested things there, uh, but it's a sliding scale of payment as to what you can afford to be a student, to get uh, 50 hours of content, um, audio, video content, four different modules, lots of workbooks. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that has all come together. I'm super excited about it. But let's now get into this interview with Danny V.
I'm sitting here with the incredible, fantabulous Danny V, who, if anyone knows kind of Australian uh, literature podcasting world, um, story podcasting world, they would know Danny's um, podcast, Words and Nerds. How long have you been doing Words and Nerds for, Danny? A long time? Nearly five years. So five years in October. And that's very kind. I've never been called fantabulous before. Oh, yeah. That's, I, that's a, I like that word. <laughs> <laughs> I think it describes you really well. Thank you. I'll yeah. a t-shirt, I think. <laughs> Fantabulous. That would be a great t-shirt to have. Um, but but today you get to kind of normally where you'd be sitting in the opposite seat, hey, normally you're the one interviewing and now uh, you get to be on the other side. Yeah, it's does awful. That feel, it's does awful. that feel nice? No. It feels awful. No, because <laughs> when, when I'm sitting where you are, you've got full control, right, over everything. Yeah, and just have all the you, power. Yeah, here you like have zero control and power and it's <laughs> awful, quite frankly. <laughs> It's probably good to, for you to know what you put others through. Yes, but, yes, it's my punishment for nearly 500 episodes of doing this to people. 500? Is that how many episodes you were? Yeah, almost at 10 500 away, episodes. 10 away from in, 500 in five in years. In five years. Yeah. That's 100 episodes a year. That's insane. It's wild, right? How are you, how? How are you how? still doing that? Yeah, how? That's. I try not to ask myself that question too often, Joel, because otherwise it starts to stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I've shortened my interviews, so I do three or four a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do them at night right. when my kids are asleep. I try yep. and keep them to 30 minutes. Um, yep. I don't watch a lot of television, I must say. I've been watching Parks and Rec for about five years. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's great. So, yeah, I just don't want – and I don't sleep a lot, so I just I get it done. What else? I, I could lie in bed not sleeping or I could do something. That's true. That's true. Is that is that kind of your? That sounds like a similar personality type as mine. Very um, achieving, entrepreneurial driven kind of kind of person. Yeah, it's like your brain never sleeps, and sometimes that's exhausting. And I actually have to force yeah. myself, sort of yeah. every sort of maybe second weekend, to just go no, just put everything out of your brain and just have a good time. And you do have a good time, but you've yep. also got that active kind of brain that also needs to constantly be doing stuff. So I exhaust yeah. myself, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so, so we are on the Deep Place podcast, and we've been talking this this um, season, this series is all around kind of the creative journey, um, about how we can both kind of dive into the deep places inside us, um, and also translate these into creative work, um, like creative work that moves people because. Ooh. Sometimes when we go to the deep place, it's actually hard to translate that into something that people can understand um, and yeah. engage with because it's all like deep emotional. Yeah, no, it's true and it's stuff. scary at first. And I've got to say, just touching on that a little bit, when I started the podcast, yeah. I wanted it to be all about the guests, right? And I still hope it is. But mm. um, at some point, because you're talking about books and emotions and where they came from and fears and all that stuff, I sort of revealed my own anxiety. And then I thought, mm. oh, do, A, do I want to do this? And B, do people even care <laughs> and so I did keep it in because I want to be real it's a bit vulnerable and it's amazing how that kind of stuff that honesty resonates with people you know and yeah. so people see your yeah. Instagram and you're smiling most of the time because you usually don't feel like taking selfies when you're crying <laughs> <laughs> usually not <laughs> usually not and so I think it's nice to go to those deep, even dark places and yeah. just be honest and vulnerable because in my 20s I thought being vulnerable was a, a weakness. But yeah. as I've grown and aged, I feel like being vulnerable is actually a huge strength. 
How did how did that change? It changed from your 20s to now. Yeah, I think 20s you just try and be invincible, you know, mm. and it's I think especially being a woman and I was in leadership roles, I was like I can never cry. I can never show weakness because people <laughs> won't respect you as a leader. Obviously that's ridiculous. And yeah. so as time you know, as time rolled on, I thought, well, I think I can still be a competent leader and you can still be respected mm. in whatever industry you are and you can also be real and you can also ask for help. You know, I don't think that's a weakness. I think trying to mm. do everything yourself is actually the weakness. I think saying, hey, I need help today or I'm not having a good day or I need some time out. I think they're all really important things that we need to keep reminding ourselves because we've had such a culture of soldier on. Soldier yeah. on, take your cod rule. <laughs> Hold your arm, just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I almost think COVID, as terrible as that has been for us, that's given us pause to think, well, you know, the world doesn't stop turning if you stay at home, if you're ill. Hmm. I mean, nothing falls apart if you just take time out for yourself. And I think that's important for mental health as well, you know. And I think yeah. if you are having one of those days and whatever your, your thing is you're dealing with, mine is anxiety, if you feel it rising inside of you, if you ignore it... <laughs> It's going to punch yeah. you in the face, right? It's going to punch yeah. you in the face. Yeah, or it'll come out in different ways yeah. in your life that you yeah. don't want it to come yeah. out in. Yeah, exactly. And it comes out physically with me as well. You know, I'll get huh. hives or I'll get, you know, something else awful or a migraine or whatever. So I think you've wow. just got to address that even though it's hard and you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I think that taking time out, saying you're vulnerable, asking for help and just being honest with people, you know, and saying, look, I'm I'm doing it tough now. I just need yeah. you to know that. I think there's a real strength in that. So it changed over time with thinking just a real different mindset, you know, of um, this is this is real. And I think that facade of always being tough and always being in control, I don't yeah. think I don't think that's a good place to be for you. I think you break in the end. Yeah, that's that is hard. I think especially for you, as you said, being a woman in leadership in our world, um, I can't speak to, um, but I, I can imagine that because our world uh, has been based around patriarchal systems, that is so much about yeah. um, so much of that masculine kind of energy coming in, um, like there'd be ways that you must feel like you've had to force yourself to yeah, be a certain way. That's right. But then you think, well, hang on, I think, hang on a sec. Like I think, you know, as a woman or just as a human being, I've got something to contribute and add without having to fall into, you know, whatever systems yeah. we've had in place before. So it's a big learning curve. But, um, yeah, I think I'm more it's comfortable huge. talking about it, hence why I'm here talking to you because <laughs> there was a long time where I didn't tell anyone about my anxiety. There was a bit of shame really? linked to it. There was a bit of failure linked to it. Like what's wrong with Wow. me why can't I just fix this you know because I'm a fix-it person if there's something wrong you just fix it right I fixed my toilet the other day Joel that's a first right <laughs> what was wrong with it it was clogged oh god <laughs> I wish I could even tell you but there was some you've leak. got kids don't you <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> there was a leak going on and so I facetimed my friend's partner who's a plumber <laughs> and I went to Bunnings and I did all this whole thing myself so, yeah. you know, really leading Good. into those spaces of, um, <laughs> wow, fix it yourself. But anyway, can't fix my anxiety. Can't go to Bunnings and fix that, unfortunately. No, not as easy to. <laughs> and that's been another learning curve for me too, Joel. The whole, I can't cure this. Wow. You know, I can meditate. I can go for a walk. I can take yeah. some medication. I can look after myself. But there ain't no cure. It's here forever. Yeah. That's a real eye-opener for me.
Does that change how you view your anxiety and mental health struggles in terms of... Like it's, it almost, because it's here with you for life, it's almost a companion for yeah, life. So totally. does it become something... I don't know, I'm just thinking whether it becomes something then. If it's if it was something you could cure, then it's something you're fighting against. But That's if right. it's a companion, it's a different mm, perspective. I don't know, if, is that the case? I, I think so. I think I've changed my relationship with it. I even gave it a name, called it Sylvia oh. Plath, right? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Sylvia. Love Sylvia. That sounds very Sylvia-like, yeah. <laughs> and so I just feel like, yeah, it's just beside me. Sometimes it's really small. Sometimes yeah. I don't notice it. Sometimes it's... Yeah really huge and I just have to manage yeah. whatever shape that comes in each day. So it's still uncomfortable, but I think yeah. fighting against it is is harder and pointless because it's not going anywhere. So I think you almost yeah. have to go, okay, frenemy, we're All together right, in this. So All right, Sylvia, Sylvia. Let's do this. <laughs> wow. So do you do you actually have chats with Sylvia? I, d- I don't. I try to ignore you don't. her as much as I can. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Until she's like screaming at yeah, you. It's just a presence though that I guess you always feel even if it's small or if it's big and you, you yeah. feel it changing shape and size, but you know it's always there. It's something that's there, yeah. Ooh. What Did something change for you in terms, like you said, that um, you there was a long time where you didn't talk about it because of shame, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Did, did something change there that then allowed you to, to talk about Sylvia? Yeah, I was kind of forced into it really. Um, I had postnatal anxiety in a pretty bad way when I had my son. It was an IVF pregnancy. Yeah, right. It was very difficult. I almost lost him. My placenta wow. stopped working. And oh, then wow. two weeks after I gave birth, my auntie, who was also my godmother, passed away quite suddenly. So Whoa. I was in quite a state. <laughs> And I'd sold my that's house. Huge. So when I saw my psychologist, she's like, you just teach the three most stressful things you can ever go yeah, through. Yeah, that's insane. All at once. Wow. <laughs> so, so we did this test. My anxiety was off the charts. I would wake up at 3 a.m. every morning with a full-blown panic attack, worrying that I was going to die and I was going to leave my son. These are really dark things, Joel, but <laughs> that's what was in my brain. And I just thought I have to get help for this. Like I, I have to do yeah. this, not for myself, for my newborn. And so yeah. I, I went and saw someone. She was amazing and, you you know, within six weeks, we'd managed to. You have a score of anxiety. Apparently, a hundred percent is not a not a good score. Oh, oh no! Okay, good to know. <laughs> Apparently, it's like golf. You need it to be lower. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so in six weeks, we managed to halve that, um, wow. or nearly halve it, and then it was yeah. just a real journey from them. So I think it was the big anxiety that I could no longer ignore forced yeah, me right. to look at it in a different way. So it's not something that I did intentionally. I wasn't really brave and said, all right, let's go and tackle this. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Really, it punched me in the face and I had to do something about it. So that's yeah. – and I had to work through stuff because, you know, my, my auntie wasn't coming back. Yeah. And, you know, I had a newborn to look after and none of those things were changing and so I had to do something. Yeah. It reminds me of um, we, we've been in deep place. We've been looking through kind of um, using the hero's journey in some sense as a bit of a way forward, but also the critique of the hero's journey, the heroine's journey, and um, Gail Carriger, Carol Carriger, I think is writes it, and um, and she talks about kind of the this difference between um, the hero's journey is often often the hero gets to choose to go on the journey, uh-huh, but yeah. uh, but within for within a heroine's journey, often it's because of societal structures or because of the loss of someone or mm-hmm. the um, 
that often the heroine is actually pushed into, forced yeah. into the into the journey that they then have to go on. And it sounds really similar, like yeah, circumstance, circumstance, circumstance that pushed mm. you into the journey. Yeah, because it's always been there. Like I, I do have yeah. that kind of energy and, you know, we've met in person, so I don't know if you can yeah. tell, but I do have a kind of that buzzing energy about me and a lot of that comes yeah. from anxiety. And I was having a conversation mm. with someone who said, well, if you could get rid of your anxiety and a part, that means you'd also get rid of that part of your personality. Oh, would, wow. Would you get rid of the anxiety? And I had to say no. Wow. You know, that kind of, yeah. and I don't know if they're linked, but I feel it's the same energy. So that kind of enthusiastic, buzzing, passionate part of myself, I feel in myself that that is also linked to that, you know, anxious um, energy that you have inside you. So it's almost like you can't mm. have one without the other. So that that kind of made me a little bit more comfortable with the two. I thought, well, I'm not going to sacrifice that part of who I am because yeah. I love being passionate about things. I love being yeah. excited, enthusiastic about something. It's my thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd hate to just never feel excited about things. So if I have to then, you know, if that comes with the anxiety, which I kind of think it does, I think mm. anxious mm. brains work in different ways. You know, and you see that with people in the spotlight too, you know, very famous people who are comedians with depression. You know, it's almost like a creative brain operates a little bit differently to everyone else's brain and, and sometimes that comes with mental illness and, mm. you know, I think I'd rather just deal with Sylvia than lose that part of you. And this is completely anecdotal, right? This is not anything yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. It's just the energy that I feel in myself. I feel they're very similar energies. Yeah, but no, I think naming that is really beautiful that, um, you can see where uh, Sylvia has encroached in your life in bad ways, but you also see where you have uh, been able to be, you have shaped your life and perhaps as a, as a protective mechanism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but it's actually become a beautiful part of your identity and how you present to the world and who you are in the world. And to name that I think is, I just think it's wonderful. Like so much of, so much of mental health struggles we run from yeah. and like we we run away from our stuff um and and so and i think kind of the creative journey in many ways has actually taught me actually the uncomfortable is what we should be leaning into yeah and the instead of running away from it to to lean into it and to look at it and to name it then allows us to move forward and not be not become victims to it yeah, no, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. And, mm. you know, I, I, I hate to say, you know, you're suffering from anxiety, even though it very much feels like you're suffering sometimes, but I yeah. try and change the language and say, no, I'm experiencing anxiety, you know, yeah. even what you, so just changing the language sometimes can help. But that's how I started the podcast. You know, I, I had two children, two young children. Um, they're not quite two years apart. I was working part-time in my job and, you know, motherhood from my experience, it's it's an amazing and it's wonderful and I love my kids more than anything, but it's hard and it's isolating and mm. it can be really lonely. And I breastfed both my kids for quite a long time. I just sort of fell into that. And so yeah. there's this kind of you in the dark all the time, you know, like you wow. feed your kids yeah. in the night, you alone, you, you know, it, 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 I, I just have this feeling of me being alone in the dark a lot with my children, right? Yeah, and yeah. I just thought, and, not, and some 
sometimes it was beautiful. You know, sometimes I love being awake when the world's asleep because I feel like your, yeah. your mind goes in places where it wouldn't usually in the daytime, you know, when you're doing your chores. Yeah. But um, that's how the podcast started because I thought I just feel like I need to have some other sort of stimulation in my life. And then I thought, well, mm. and I also needed to channel that energy that I talk yeah. about that's both anxious, that's both enthusiastic, that's both, both passionate. I needed to channel that into something positive. So instead of stressing over every single thing about what happens to my children, which I did, I was like, okay, maybe this energy can be channeled in a more positive wow. way. And yeah. so that's how I started the podcast. And I really started channeling that energy um, into something positive. And that's what I still try and do. You don't always succeed because sometimes yeah. it will just get you. You know, life's, life's hard. Of and of what I really liked about the school of life, I'm going to misquote it, but the general consent, the general sort of idea was that we see anxiety as a vulnerability when really mm. it's a real human response to a scary and complex world. Mm. And when I read that, mm. I was like, yeah, like that is mm. so true. You know, instead of say, seeing it as a weakness or a failure, it's just a response to a world that is unpredictable, that can be scary, mm. that sometimes we have very little control of. Mm. You know, and that's that's an okay response to have, I think. And I feel like I'm a, I'm I'm you know, not I, I want I don't want to say I'm a sensitive person in that I um like you can't hurt my feelings very easily. I, I was a high school teacher <laughs> for 17 years, so I'm pretty yeah. thick-skinned. But in, yeah. in another way, I'm quite sensitive to the world. Like I feel like yeah. I feel a lot of feelings and I absorb a yeah. lot of other people's feelings. So I'm sensitive in that way, not in a way you can like I remember <laughs> just going off tangent a bit. I had I was a prac student, I was young. I went yeah. into this classroom with a bunch of boys who were very tall and very scary and they were trying to make me cry the whole lesson, right? <laughs> I just had enough. I just went up and said, okay, you have got five minutes. Do your best. Make me cry. If you don't, you never mention it again. And they looked at me wow. and went, oh, we're good, miss. I went, cool, let's get on with it. <laughs> few words from our wonderful, wonderful sponsors like The Practice Co. Um, in, in the writing about The Practice Co, uh, Liz Mullaney says this, you know, some of us call us progressive, others call us lost, others we're too conservative. We no longer fit, nor do we want to into a box or under a certain label, and we don't think you should have to either. We're not here to tell you what to believe. We're retelling ancient and sacred stories and having conversations about them so that you can find your own story within them. Ah, oh, go to thepracticeco.com and check them out. You would be insane not to follow someone who says that and to learn as much as you can from them. Thepracticeco.com, check them out. I've got to tell you, I've done heaps of theology study in my life. I did a, a bachelor's of theology and a master's of uh, vocational practice, which is a theology kind of focus. And I've done lots of study around spirituality, around God, around faith, around these ideas. And a lot of that stuff comes now into my thinking, because as you guys know, I'm pretty darn obsessed with creativity. A lot of that stuff comes into my thinking uh, around creativity. It really does. It influences uh, so much of how I live my life now. If you're someone who is like, I just, I need some kind of community, some kind of real deep reflective input in my life uh, around 
um, theology and thinking about God and life of the world, then one of the places you can do that is ACOM, the Australian College of Ministry. If you're from a Christian background and you want to do this, um, do some study, in, then go and have a look at acom.edu.au and I'm sure you will find some stuff there, especially within their spirituality units that you might just love. I loved the phrase that you used before, um, channeling, finding that channel. Because in essence, was it, maybe tell me a little bit about your creative story in a second, whether it, I, I'm just wondering, you took the, um, both the hard stuff, the energy of it, the hard stuff of Sylvia, and also the positive, beautiful stuff. And out of the overflow of that came this creative project, yeah, yeah. Words and Nerds podcast, yep. which has taken off. Um, that's amazing. Like, exactly. that's really incredible that it's exactly mm, what we're talking about in terms yeah, of the deep place, going to that right. deep place and letting that overflow. And it's the first time that I had thought about and visualize this energy, you know, that I like the way you say the overflowing energy, because it's all kind of, I feel the same energy, whether it's anxious or enthusiastic or whatever. And I, it was the first time I'd visualized channeling that directly into my laptop, right? Whereas I've always had creative pursuits, you know, I, in, I was in drama, I was in theater groups, I'd done extra right. work, I'd always sort of written, but never really showed anyone. I'd done yeah. podcasting, I've been in a band and original bands and in a, a cover band then the podcast and then the writing. So I've always done something creative. So for me, I don't even think it matters particularly what the creative pursuit is Mm. as long Mm -hmm. as I'm channeling energy into it. But it wasn't until the podcast and I was really overwhelmed with anxiety to a point where I couldn't function properly for quite a while that I visualised, okay, I've got all this energy, this overflow of energy. What am I going to do with it? I can't just sit here in it forever. I need to push through this. And so that's what I did. I put it all into the creative pursuits and it, it helped. It was it was bizarre how just visualizing that process yeah. could help. Did it did it help in obviously not in the way that it took your anxiety away, but it did it give you in in what way did it help, like that creative project? Was it just that it distracted you or was it yeah, there's something I, more to it? I do worry that I distract myself too much because then I think yeah. it's still there and it's still buzzing around. But I actually think that there is this weird kind of energy that I possess in myself that if I don't use it, it almost turns into anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so I just yeah. feel that in myself that if I don't use this abundance of energy or huh. whatever it is that's bubbling inside me constantly, it'll yeah. come out somewhere. So I may as well use it for good, you know. Like I could sit and yeah. and I, I, I don't have any criticism of people who do this, but I could sit and watch TV, but then I can feel it building up in me, you know. So I'm like, okay, what can I do instead? So I will yes. do something, I will pursue something, I will create something, and then I feel that I'm kind of, you know, getting rid of that surplus of energy that could possibly huh. turn into something that is unmanageable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. I want to. I, I was reading something you wrote the other day. Let me just find it here. Um, uh, if anxiety is caused by an uncertainty of the future or a sensitivity to a complex world, its kryptonite is presence. <laughs> that that lie. I think you wrote that maybe in a blog post or something. I yeah, found. I did. I did. Um, authors for mental you, health. Authors for mental health. Can you? Yeah. I loved that. That floored me. That line. I was like, mm. yes. Can you just can you talk about that? How is it kryptonite? Yeah, uh, it's kryptonite is presence. What do you mean by well, that? Well, anxiety is projecting into the future. It's about the things you can't control. So when I was feeling anxious, that really horrible time I had when I had post 
and natal anxiety was what if I die young like my auntie? What if my yeah. son doesn't get to know me? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And A, you don't have a lot of control of your future. You can make sensible decisions and choose not to drive 400 kilometres an hour down a road and, you you know, give yourself a better chance of living. But there yeah. are a lot of things you can't control. And so being present and stopping, and it's very hard, but stopping that thought process of what if, what if, what if, what if. I mean, nothing is certain. You know, like I didn't think that I would be bringing my children up as a single mother. You know, their dad's still very involved. Yeah. We're not together. And I, yeah. so you can't, you can almost not predict, well, you can't, you can't predict the future, right? You can hope, you can build, you can plan, but there are, are curveballs that are going to be thrown at you. And so whenever yeah. I feel like I am present, um, I feel like that there's no room for anxiety to get in. So when I'm podcasting, wow. for instance, like wow. now, like when I'm talking yeah. to people, I can't think of anything else. Like now yeah. you're doing all the hard tech stuff, but usually <laughs> I'm making sure the tech works. I'm trying to yeah, link yeah. the conversation. I'm interested in what they're saying. So there's no room for that yeah. those thought processes of the future to come in. So when I'm huh. with my kids and we're playing Monopoly or, you know, we're running around on our scooters or we're rollerblading, there's no room for that to come in. You know, when I'm, mm. I'm with people whose company I enjoy and we hang out and we talk and we laugh and we do whatever, there's no room for that anxiety to come in. It's almost like this safe Teflon place where it can't get in because you're present. You wow. know, so it's hard because, you know, um, I don't know, it's hard because you do like to plan for the future and you do project yeah. what if, what if, what if. But the less I do that, the less yeah. the anxiety can penetrate <laughs> yeah so it's choosing to be present in the now and I and I mean so much like credit that's what creative flow is all about yes. isn't it is those moments where everything else drops away and disappears exactly. and it's just you and your thing yeah um, when you're writing you're present you're completely present in that moment when you're writing because you're thinking of nothing else but what you're writing yeah that's a that's lost. a what a beautiful like it's such a beautiful gift I think mm. that creativity gives us as much as we think about creativity as as us creating something that we then bring out into the world and and hopefully makes people smile or laugh or changes their life in some way like first and foremost it's a gift for like, us yeah presence and creativity does that for sure because when you're even when I was you know even when I was painting my house you know not a very creative endeavor but I was completely <laughs> lost in the moment. Yeah. You know, I wasn't thinking or projecting or, pro you know, whatever, um, catastrophizing. <laughs> wasn't doing, I was just painting. And that's why I just kept painting my house because I'm like, I really like this feeling, like this almost meditative state. Yeah. I think yeah. anything you do creatively or maybe it's going for a run or whatever it is that you do that you can remain and in that moment because it's so easy to be pulled out of that yeah. moment of what you've got to do, yeah. the chores of what's going to happen here or what you've got to think about. It's really easy to be pulled out of it. So like you said, with flow, the longer you can stay in that present moment, I think the better it is for all of our mental health and our creativity because we get to create cool stuff. <laughs> And you, you have been creating, you've been channeling this, um, this energy for a long time now into the podcast, but also into your own writing. Um, yes. and, and I saw in your, in your hot little hands the other day, you have a, the physical copy of your book that's about to I be released do. into I the do. world. That was a special moment. And I, I, I've got to, I'll admit this now, but it was always a thing. Yeah. I thought if I 
never publish a book, that's going to be a real hard regret to get through. So if I got to 99 and I'd never published a book, I feel like that would be one of those great hurtful disappointments that really hurt your heart, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's when I thought, well, if that's going to be that big a deal to me, I really need to sort of show people my writing, right? (laughs) That's a start. That's a good start, yeah. (laughs) Good start. (laughs) So I started and I I wrote, I love crime novels, not crime in general. (laughs) I I just love crime. Crime fiction. I just love love crime. (laughs) So I wrote a crime fiction novel and I entered it into the HarperCollins Banjo Prize and I came fourth, which is not the shortlist, Joel. It's only one, it's, two, and three. But I was really uh, stoked. Damn it. Right? That's good. But yeah. They called me and they're like, hey, you came fourth. We're sorry. I'm like, sorry. That's amazing. <laughs> no, that was, I did a rewrite for them. I haven't heard anything. So I'm assuming that's not great news. But it was still a little tiny, little bit of progress, right? Yeah. A tiny bit yep. of progress. And yep. then um, I pitched My Extraordinary Mum, which is my picture book coming out in August to Larrikin House. And, yeah. um, you know, James signed that pretty quickly because he just saw something in it yeah and I've got to say the advice for that because I was always thinking you know oh technical writer English teacher or that I am have to get everything technical and when I spoke to Trent Dalton he said you know technical advice Mm. is great but if you don't put your heart and soul on the page there's something going to be missing on the page Hmm. and that's exactly how Mm. I wrote my extraordinary mum and that had Mm. that had all of that stuff in it that we've touched in it you know it's not in there the postnatal anxiety isn't in there but yeah. I wrote that. A little too full on for a kid's book. A little bit full on for a kid's book. But <laughs> all those feelings and experiences I'd had as a mother and sort of losing your identity because you're, you know, in the trenches of motherhood and then coming yeah. out of that fog and going, who am I again? <laughs> yeah. That's all in that book. And I've put it in a wow. quirky way. Like I haven't put yeah. the mum sitting there in the dark breastfeeding, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> not very like Larrikin all about what's the buying for the kids. So it's none of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it is about this mum who, you know, takes her daughter rollerblading and, you know, sees a waterhole, they forget their swimmers. Who cares? They jump in anyway. You know, they go yeah. rock climbing and they have these really special moments together because so often I think in, in dominant storytelling the fun is left for the dads and the kids to have. Correct me if I'm wrong, wow. doll. But it's yeah, the man. mum who's going, oh, stop wrestling, yeah. don't hurt each other, here's your sunscreen, and you can still do that as a parent. You should wow. still always wear sunscreen. That's but, true. That's true. <laughs> but it's not the only thing we are. You know, we're not, yeah. if, okay, fairy tales, right, Joel? Yeah. My kids are little. Whenever yeah. you read a fairy tale, think about what happened to the mothers. They're dead. Yeah. They're missing at sea. Yeah. Or they're evil stepmothers. We don't get a great rap. <laughs> huh, totally. <laughs> we don't get yeah. a great rap. And then in modern storytelling, they're present, um, but they are the ones usually, and I know there are always exceptions to the rule, but they're usually the ones who are sensible, who are keeping mm. everything together, who are doing everything and being super women, and we can't do everything. We just can't, Joel. It's too you hard. just can't, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. thought, you know, mums can be fun too, and it's important for kids to know that their mums, you know, have, have an identity beyond um, being a mother, it's part of who we are. It's an important, significant part of who we yeah. are, but it's not everything that we are. So that's where that came from. <laughs> and and you have a number of other written projects that you're writing yeah. and is on the go and in development and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. So then I took a bit of a de- bit of a detour, like. Even though it's a picture book, it was it was my heart and soul on every page, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I made it a bit quirky, so it's you know the kids are going to like it, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to cry after they read it. <laughs> so, but then you know 
the publisher, James, he was like, I've always wanted a story about an unlucky dad, you know, and I do, uh, I don't on. like the narrative of the hopeless dad. I, I think that's the been... The Homer Simpson, the Homer Simpson. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's been done, you know, and, and that's yeah, yeah. great. That was funny, but it, it's been done. Yeah. So yeah. we talked about a really engaged, adventurous, enthusiastic dad, and I sort of have that energy about me so I can write about that. But just everything goes wrong for him. And I kind hmm. of based it on my own dad who, you know, as a child I remember always being in the hospital with him with a dislocated shoulder or an ankle injury or something always went wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so, you know, I thought, you know, this could be really funny. And so I, I said, okay, give me the brief. I'll give it a crack. And I gave it a crack. And um, one of his test audiences, because he said, I do one on fishing. Like, Joel, I know nothing about fishing, right? <laughs> Do you know how many Google yeah. I Googled and watched endless hours of fishing on YouTube? Wow. Fishing yeah. fails on YouTube to get some inspiration. I'm like, okay, you're the fishing, you're the fisherman. Read, I don't know, do what you like with it. So he wrote it to his James wrote it to his fishing buddy, and his fishing buddy yeah. spilt tea on his lap because he was. Oh, laughing. that's a good sign. I'm like, that's a okay, great sign. Maybe I did something all right here. <laughs> so that's turned into a series that you'll see next year. Um, cool. But it was kind of fun. It was a nice departure to go, yeah, quirky, cool, identity, feminist, edge mother to just something yeah. completely ridiculous and slapstick. But that's what we can do as writers. You know, we don't have yeah. to write the same thing. You know, yeah. I, I still, you know, still there could be a crime in crime fiction in my future too. So I think, yeah. you know, and you'd know that as well as a performance poet and yeah. as a writer that, you know, lots of things come out of you. You know, you're not, yeah, writers aren't totally. just one genre. <laughs> No. Yeah. And I think we, we shrink ourselves down too small when we put ourselves and say, no, this is the only thing that I do that I like, often I don't even call myself a poet because I'm doing all the other things as well. And and you can just get, I'm an artist, a creative artist of some (laughs) description. Um, But what I love as well, what you're talking about is you're, it's still not separate from your life. Like you were just saying it was your dad, um, like that that memory of your dad and those good times and um and then with your your the extraordinary mum book you were saying that it was all it's all the stuff we've been talking about yeah. but it gets translated into a way that um that takes it from being deep dark sitting crying as you breastfeed your kids <laughs> in the dark at night and you could literally just read my extraordinary mum as a really fun story between a mum yeah. and daughter who go on some yeah. epic adventures you know yeah. it's funny Joel I saw I should have taken a screenshot but there was this somewhere in the world someone put it on Twitter there were two toilet doors side by side there was just a man's toilet and a woman's toilet and on the men's toilet it was in blue and it said do epic shit <laughs> on the women's toilet, you're never going to believe what it said, Joel. It said, you're losing weight. Keep positive. Oh, my goodness. I was like, really? <laughs> what? I'm, I'm going into the blue door because I'm doing epic I want shit. To, I want right? an epic shit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do epic shit, right? I'm going into that door. Yeah. I just thought, it's 2022. Like, and the yeah, perception wow. of women is still about appearance and self-doubt and you know I don't know what experience you've had but as a woman it just gets so old and so tiring thinking that you have to be some kind of perfect looking human being you know it just gets exhausting and I think you get to a particular age where you go you know what not even not even going there this is who I am yeah I'm I'm gonna brush my hair occasionally Joel right (laughs) but I'm gonna do a big epic shit that's do epic shit, not do yeah, an yeah, epic I shit. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just thought you could do both. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Well, it wasn't a toilet door. Now you've changed the whole meaning <laughs> right. of that for me. Women shit too. I thought I thought you were playing up on the um on the the wordplay <laughs> of it. Maybe that was just. I didn't even notice that until you did. Now I can never. Now it's got a whole different meaning. It anyway. does a beautiful meaning. <laughs> we just have to just. Apparently, the girls just have to keep positive because you're losing weight. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> So I'm wondering, could you um, maybe coming in to land um, uh, for people who are in the midst of whatever they're going through, maybe struggling with mental health struggles um, or just the shit that has been uh, the last few years of pandemic life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and these creative artists who are trying to, um, who, I think need to to tap into that to not as we said to not run away from that to yep. um, to look that in the face. But then how because um, you're so beautifully talking about translating it into picture books that it doesn't have to be explicit in, in this way. I'm just wondering, could you speak to for the for the different artists out there? So we have painters and poets and writers and lots of different people who will read this. But in the creative process, what do you think? What advice would you give in terms of, um, yes, tapping into that deep place and being willing to go there, but then, like you have done, translating it into um, children's book? What does that look like? Or what mm. is, is there some steps or some, hey, why don't you do this so you yeah. don't just get stuck in that dark place? Yeah, and I think the first really important thing is is that I think no matter what you're going through, you need to know that there's another side. And there were two occasions in my life where I suffered anxiety quite badly where I wasn't sure, to be honest. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get out of this really dark place. Now that that's happened to me twice for two quite long periods of time, I know that there is another side. So when I start to fall into this kind of anxious darkness, I can almost get myself out of it quicker because I'm like, no, no, I know there's another side. Mm. I've done it twice. It was really Mm -hmm. hard and there were some really fleeting moments during that time where I thought, can I get out of this, which is a very Mm. scary thought. Uh, But I know I can now. And so I I Mm. think you need whatever you're going through and, you know, there's scales of what people are going through harder and easier, but there is another side. You know, think about all those things that have happened to you that have been hard. After that, so many amazing things have happened to you. Mm. You know, and I went on this course not long ago. This was for a, the day job that I do. And the guy said to me, he said to all of us, he said, how do you do pain? You have to do pain well. And I thought, how wow. on earth do you do pain well? And it was very confronting what he said. He said, pain is coming for you. He goes, I don't know when, I don't know what shape, I don't know how bad, but it's coming for you. How are mm. you going to build your resilience, your vulnerability, your community, your headspace so you're ready for this pain. And when you think about that, because I think as a society we don't talk about death, we don't talk about hard things because we just want to enjoy life. But that comes at a cost of not knowing how to deal with grief when it comes and not knowing how to deal with pain when it comes. And mm-hmm. so there's almost a balance of, okay, when the hard stuff does happen, and it will, unfortunately, it's all coming for mm-hmm. us, I hate to say yeah. it, yeah. Um, how are we going to do it? And I don't think I do mm-hmm. pain necessarily well, 
but I can deal with moderate pain and I'm saying, mm. you know, pain where I haven't lost anyone and mm. I can sort of sit in that pain and, and know that that's okay. This is a feeling that's going to pass. Mm. So I think just thinking about that, like I don't know have the answers of how to do pain well, but thinking, yeah. just thinking about that is interesting, you know, and mm. knowing mm-hmm. that there's another, there's another side to everything. I think mm-hmm. building your tribe, I think, you know, the book community particularly and there'll be other communities for whatever space you're in, has been a really amazing place to be creative. It's a very supportive space and everyone's always celebrating each other's achievements and commiserating because, you know, as you know, the creative space also comes with a fair amount of rejections. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Being able to go, yeah, we're all, we, we've all experienced this. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad creative. It just means that that wasn't right for this thing at this particular time. You know, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as I say with... I'm, I'm, I'm very open to feedback when I'm getting my pieces edited because I think, well, I'm not going to run out of words, am I? Yeah. You know, if yeah. I don't like this bit or that bit or that bit, cool, take it out. Yeah. You're funding it. I'll go back yeah. and I'll have – I'm not going to run out of words. You know, there's a whole dictionary of them. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> and I never run out of thoughts, Joel. I've got too many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i put them in a jar for later, you know. I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah. And so knowing there's another side, tapping into your vulnerability and knowing it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to be human, it's okay Mm. to have hard stuff happen to you and Mm. figuring out how to how to do that better, having a community. And then I've like I said, I've visualized channeling this overflow of energy into my mm. laptop to then create something positive. And I didn't know, Joel, if I was going to have one listen or 10. Yeah. Fifty two thousand a month now blows my mind. It's amazing. But I didn't Look at it. That wasn't my intention. My intention was mm. just to have cool conversations with people, channel my energy into something positive, and you just got to do it. You know, if you're sitting mm. there in a dark place or a deep place, just get the pen out. I find the pen is even better than the computer. Yeah. I, I like the pen and the paper because it feels like, you know, there's a different process of being creative and whether that's you writing or whether it's you sculpting, you're just using your hands, you know, with it, yeah. whatever, just using your body. Um, to just go into that creative space, then I think once you create something, you know, whether it's just for you or whether it's for the world, there's a there's a feeling of pride that you get out mm. of it. You know, even if they're bad words, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because the good words mm-hmm. will come. And sometimes out of 400 bad words, you'll find 20 good ones. Like that's still a win, you know. Mm-hmm. It's still better than sitting in the dark, <laughs> not doing anything. So besides mm. all those supportive things that I sort of mentioned before, you just have to take out the pen or the paintbrush or the mm. whatever it is and you just have to start. And you have to stop being so critical on yourself. Like we're our worst enemies, Joel. Like we are – you would never talk to a friend the way we yeah. talk to ourselves sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've really had to stop and say, you know, enough. I would never – I'd never say that to a stranger or a friend. Why am I saying that to myself? And so mm. just being kind to yourself and saying it's okay. I'm having a bad week or a day or a month or an hour or whatever it is. I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to push through it. I'm going to be vulnerable, seek help, ask for help. People help. People want to help you. If you don't say mm. anything, you know, I have this really bad habit of pretending I've got this or I've got this. And so people don't help you, right, because they're like, oh, she's got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like the saying, um, what is it, even... Uh, even if she carries it well, it doesn't mean it's not heavy. Wow, yeah. And that really resonates with me because I think I do that a lot. And it was a few weeks ago where I was having a hard time and 
And I just said to my mum, I'm struggling. Like, I, mm. I, I can't do this week. Like, everything's going wrong. I'm, mm. I'm struggling to do anything or, you know, to feel good about anything. And, you know, then my mum, who I always have the perception of, you know, I've got this, you know, then sort of they sort of step forward, my mum and her husband, and you know, last night they cooked me dinner and they picked up my kids. Wow. And it's almost that, that kind of like if you ask for help or if you don't ask, people don't need, know you need help. You know, yeah. and if yep. you ask for it, people are like, oh, of course I'll help you. We didn't think you needed it. You know, so it's just not being ashamed of being, of being, you know, asking for help when you need it. Mm. And I think that's okay. Mm. You know, and I hope mm. people can, can I've, I've often reached out to people in, in the book community or in the world <laughs> um, and said, you know, if you're ang- anxious, just talk to me. We don't have to talk about that, but mm. I know how it feels. Mm. It's hard talking to someone. It has been in the past hard talking to someone who hasn't experienced anxiety and one of the best conversations I had about anxiety happened um, a couple of months ago when I was I was out in public and I, I said to the person I was with, I'm, I'm having a moment, <laughs> right? I feel the anxiety inside me. Yeah. I'm not sure what to do with it. There's a million people around. And, you know, he just said to me, how does it feel? And I thought, yeah. No one's ever asked me that. No one's wow. ever asked how it feels. Yeah. And then I said, right now I feel like my heart's exploding. I'm sweaty. I feel this energy bubbling out of me. My vision's blurred. My, I feel dizzy. Mm. I feel like this impending sense of doom, you know, like full panic attack. And he just said, oh, that must be really hard. And mm. it's just such a simple thing of because a lot of mm-hmm. people want to try and fix it, you know, it can't be fixed, and say, oh, yeah. but there's nothing to worry about. You're safe. You're fine. That doesn't help anxiety. <laughs> but someone yeah. just sitting in it with you was really amazing and that I was able then to push through it much quicker because I thought, wow, I've got someone just sitting here wow. with me and asking oh. how it feels. And it's so simple, it's right? So simple. Yeah, yeah. But in all the years I've suffered anxiety, no one just sat there and said, a, how does it feel? And B, that must be really hard. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> so simple. That's amazing. It yeah. is. Yeah, but amazing, right? So if you're on the other side of that, you know, and you know someone who's who's struggling or experiencing yeah. mental health issues, you know, maybe ask them what they need. Maybe that's what not what they needed, but that's what I needed. You know, I didn't someone need someone to say, You're fine. Everything's yeah. fine. That doesn't help yeah. people. <laughs> That's yeah. not help. At all, but for someone to just empathise, acknowledge, and sit in it with you, for me, that was that was game changer. I I love that all of these things that you've just said are really simple. Like, there, it's not it's not rocket science. It's not um, it's not actually hard to do every single one of those things that you said. And I think if we if we can. It can feel hard. This is the thing. Yeah. And we need to name that. It can feel almost yeah. impossible to go. Oh, I'm I'm feeling this <laughs> yeah. in the moment. But but at the heart. But if we can allow ourselves just the simplicity of it to one step, one step, one step, um, to continue to move forward, um, even in the midst of health struggles. Yeah. Um, Danny, this has been so wonderful. Thank you for Thank coming you. on the podcast and sharing about your life. And, and I love that you are in a place now when you can, where you are talking about anxiety because it, it's, it's something so many people struggle mm. with and something we need to talk about. Absolutely. So um, thank you for being on the Deep Place podcast. Well, thank you. And it did get deep fast, Joel, but we I kind of knew what I was in for. So <laughs> thank you for being such a gracious host. And um, it wasn't, wasn't that scary being on this side a little bit, but not too bad. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Now we can go and do our epic shits. (laughs) I've ruined that quote now forever. 
I reckon we can all do epic shit, not the We epic. can, we, yeah, <laughs> let's go do epic shit, not we do We are, epic. we did, we do, Joel. We, we're doing it right now. We're doing epic, epic <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Danny. Thank you so much. <laughs>